When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 182, How to Teach Kids Meditation and Why It's Important. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. In the introduction of Thajal Patel's inspiring book, Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Manage Emotions, Ease Anxiety, and Stay Focused, she asks this compelling question. What if meditation was a part of a child's daily routine along with showering and brushing their teeth? How would it change their life? As you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are having episodes all month focused on how to strengthen our own mental health as mothers, as well as the mental health of our children. In last week's episode, we learned from Lisa Sabi, founder of Parents to Parents, that mental wellness is based on skills, skills that can and must be taught from a very young age. Research shows that one of the foundational skills for mental wellness is mindfulness, the ability to notice and process our emotions. And in today's episode, I'm honored to be interviewing Fajal V. Patel, a mindfulness and meditation advocate for families, who's going to teach us how to incorporate daily meditation skills into life with our children. Note, not getting them to sit still in the lotus position with their eyes closed for 30 minutes, but starting by helping them build the basics of mindfulness, just like they learned the ABCs. I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with her, but first, a word from this month's podcast sponsors. First, I'm thrilled to be continuing my partnership with Jane.com, an online boutique marketplace that brings together amazing small businesses and big brands to give their customers a unique and affordable shopping experience. Have you heard of Jane? Chances are you have since they recently celebrated their 10th birthday, which is a huge accomplishment. For the past 10 years, they've been featuring products from thousands of small businesses, most of them female or family owned. As a female business owner myself, this kind of support means a lot to me. Over 400 new products drop daily at amazing discounted prices, everything from apparel for the whole family to home decor to fun finds such as toys and novelty items. Lately, I've been freshening up our home and our backyard for spring, and I am thrilled about the cute personalized doormat I found on Jane.com for our back patio. If you are also updating your yard, home, or wardrobe for spring and summer, check out the curated selection of my favorite things on Jane.com. You can see the deals that I handpicked for you and that change often at Jane.com slash 3in30. And our second sponsor for the month is BetterHelp, which is just so incredibly fitting since we are discussing mental health awareness this month. BetterHelp is the world's largest provider of counseling done 100% online, and I have loved partnering with BetterHelp through 2020 and now on into 2021. If you've tried BetterHelp, I would love to hear how it's going for you. Can you send me an email at hello at 3in30podcast.com and let me know? I'm always looking for real testimonials from podcast listeners that I can then share here on the podcast, and today I have one of those for you. 
A mom in this community told me that she wanted her young adult daughter to be emotionally equipped and supported as she headed off for an 18-month service mission for her church. So before her daughter left home, they got her set up with an online counselor via BetterHelp, and she had her first few sessions to make sure it was a good fit. Now that she's off on her mission, she has access to this mental health support if she needs it, and her mom feels great knowing that she has this support while away from home and family. BetterHelp provides counseling for married couples, individuals, and teenagers, and their licensed professional counselors have a wide range of expertise. So if you've been thinking about counseling for yourself, your marriage, or your teenager, why not give this super convenient option a try? You can get 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30. That's betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30. And now onto the show. This is how to teach kids meditation and why it's important. Thajo, welcome to 3 and 30. I am so happy to be here, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Well, it is an honor, and I was so excited to get your book in the mail. Just last night, it arrived just in time for me to interview you. And as I flipped through it and looked at these adorable meditations for kids, I was so blown away by how you've made this simple and actionable for families. I immediately flipped to the chapter about bedtime opened it up and did one with my little Sally and she loved it. We were butterflies meditating in bed together. (laughs) So congratulations on putting together this tool for families. It is incredible. It's my life's work and it's just so rewarding. Every time I hear these stories with kids practicing, seeing the videos on Instagram, it literally just overjoys me. So thank you so much. It's been such an honor. Yeah, well, and I love, love your emphasis on making meditation just a daily part of our children's lives and even redefining and simplifying what we think of as meditation. You know, so often I think we believe it's like sitting on a meditation pillow for an hour in silence, and you have really redefined that and and emphasized how we can make this accessible for children, and we must. It is an essential tool that children grow up with. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's now more prevalent than ever for even parents who were skeptical before. The pandemic has really heightened that our children really do need tools to build emotional resilience, stress resilience, learning to manage their big emotions. And if you think about it globally of what we've been experiencing Parents have been stressed out, but children have also been experiencing stress. And it's a part of the human experience that when we have to adapt to change, when uncertainty arises, what's the human experience? Fear arises, which manifests in stress. So this is the most beautiful opportunity in this midst of the chaos of helping children learn that, yes, you do have an anchor within you. When the world feels so chaotic, when it feels that it's too uncertain, you can turn within. There are these resources that we can teach them in a way that they understand so that we can build it as like building blocks and planting these seeds in their life from such a young age. Yes, it is powerful. And you've made that very accessible for families. And I am so excited for you to teach us three takeaways today for how moms can begin to introduce meditation to their kids. So why don't we jump right into your first takeaway? Yeah. So my first takeaway is a necessary mindset shift. We have to believe that kids can meditate, that they're capable of learning, 
and that we can teach them. This is a must because until we can actually wrap our mind around this idea that Yes, children should and can learn this. We're not really going to take the consistent action to actually prioritize it. And I think a lot of this stems from working with parents is that we haven't learned this, or maybe we've tried meditating and we realize it's really challenging. It's really hard. How's my kid going to learn this? And by nature, yes, children have short attention spans. They have endless energy. They um, don't sit still for a really long time. So we believe They can't learn meditation, and that's just not true. And we have to redefine how we look at it, just like we teach the ABCs to kids, right? We don't expect our kids to know how to read from day one. We build the foundation so that eventually they learn to do that. We, We sing songs. We do sight words. They learn sentences, right? There's a systematic way based on their age development that they learn the ABCs. And that's exactly how we introduce meditation to kids. And you can do it as young as two and three to start singing the songs and Mm. building that practice. And then when they get to four and five, you can start implementing these practices of understanding, I'm feeling this emotion and this is a practice that I can do that's going to help me ride through it. You're starting to build that gap. And I think why this misconception is, is because mainstream has kind of labeled that meditation looks one way, typically, that you sit still, your eyes are closed, you're taking deep breaths, your thoughts should be as clear as possible, your mind should be as clear as possible. And yes, this is certainly where we build up to. This is like reading the chapter books. We build up to that. And this is a form of what we call passive meditation, or what I like to refer to it. It's the CrossFit of meditation. Mm, you know, it's like, hard. Yes. And it takes practice. <laughs> like Think about someone who's never gone to the gym before, and you tell them, I'm going to throw you into a CrossFit class as your first experience of exercising. And what's going to happen to them, Rachel? They're going to fall flat on their face. They're going to give up or they might throw up. (laughs) Yes, they're going to get hurt or they're going to give up before they actually experience the benefits. And so what we have to learn is that learning to focus, learning to sit still, learning to breathe are not innate skills. They're learned. And what we focus on when we teach kids and even grownups who are beginners is focusing on active meditation, which has a mental anchor that's starting to train your mind. It's building that mindfulness muscle to train your mind to focus on one thing at a time. And Mm. you have to train your mind to do that. And the way that we do that is you engage with guided meditations, with movement, linking breath work, slowing down your movement, slowing down your breath. And what happens physiologically is that your mind follows when the breath slows down, when the body slows down. And so there's a real science behind this. And everything that I teach in the book, yes, is fun. It's quick. It's accessible. But it's based on the yogic and Ayurvedic science of the actual tools we need to reset our nervous system when we're feeling emotional stress, like anger or frustration, when we're feeling mental stress, like anxiety or nervousness, versus when we're feeling physical stress that leads to sadness, grief, that unmotivation, the lack of movement. There's different exercises, breathworks, and meditations that help us do that. Yeah. And you talk about there's kind of three steps that you can take kids through as you're building their skills. And what are those three steps where we start with them and what we build up to? Yes. So when you're thinking about building an active meditation, their eyes are open and you're using movement. Mm. 
So you're linking breath work with movement. They're using their bodies. And we know that children learn through play and movement when they're young. So that's the first step of it. The second step is that once they start getting used to it, you're going to invite them to close their eyes, but still do the movement. So now they're going within, they're getting a new sensation of it. And as they get that practice, then you're going to invite them, let's close our eyes and stop the movement. And then they're going to be able to do that breath work without the movement, without those crutches, because they're training their mind to focus on something. And then you're slowly taking that, that little piece away. And I have really fun names for everything. So it's like, you're not telling your child, oh, let's take deep breaths. You're like, let's do windy windmill. A let's do happy dragon or let's blow out our birthday candles. You're doing it in a fun way that's engaging their imagination and their visualization. And so it's it's a way that actually helps parents too, because yeah. it's the most least daunting way of learning meditation. There's visual cues. And that's why it's been so amazing to see that parents have been able to go on this journey with their kids because they're like, wow, this doesn't feel so scary. Yeah. Well, and like you mentioned, this is great for adults who are beginners too. I've had so much more luck with guided meditation than I have with just trying to empty my mind, you know? And so starting with guided meditations for yourself or for your children can be really helpful. Something that I discovered recently, I went to a women's class where they did meditation with essential oils Mm -hmm. and she put it on my hands and having something to actually breathe in helped me to access a different type. It like was the first time that it clicked for me how to breathe during meditation because Mm -hmm. I wasn't just breathing. I was actually smelling this beautiful scent. And that helped me a lot. And I probably am at about a child's level with meditation. I mean, my my brain's always going. I have no experience with this. It's something that I've wanted to do, but it's been a little hard for me to access it. But making it more this active meditation versus the passive has been a great entryway for me. And I'm very excited to bring my kids in because my kids both have big personalities, lots of energy. My son especially has struggled a lot with anger Mm -hmm. and emotional outbursts. And sometimes I get the calls from school about stuff. And my first thought has been, I need to work with him on mindfulness and meditation. That will help him so much with these other issues that he's struggling with because he's not sure how to manage these big emotions that come over him. Yes. And, you know, I'll be very honest what you said, Rachel, we're all beginners. So the way that we need to learn, and 10 years ago when I learned meditation, I found myself in a mindful meditation class for the first time. And same thing. I was like, what am I doing? This is too darn hard. And I I went into active meditation, like the guided meditations, and there's different forms of active meditation, like using different breath work. I'm a student and teacher of Kundalini Yoga. So you're using movement in a way. And that's a game changer, creating a mental anchor. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. They start to go into the CrossFit and then don't realize there's this other area where they can start to build up to that. Yeah. And at that same workshop, the woman, I'd never done Kundalini yoga before, but she led us through that. And I really enjoyed how it used sound. I'm a Mm. singer. I love to sing. And I had never considered using like chanting and mantras. Yes. Chanting. And, yes. yes. Yep. We were almost singing yeah, and yeah. it felt so good to me as mm-hmm. a way that I'm used to using my body and letting that energy resonate. But I hadn't thought about how to bring it into yoga or it, we were doing yoga, but yoga meditation. Yes. So that was powerful for me. And like I said, it can be powerful for our children as well. So what is your second takeaway for how we can teach them? 
Yeah, the second takeaway is understanding there's two purposes of meditation. One is the daily self-care, and the second is when big feelings arise. So stop, drop, and breathe resets. And I think there's two different purposes that we have to remember why we're teaching them. And so I'm a dentist's daughter, so a lot of my analogies kind of stem from this, but it's an easy way to understand it. So when I teach children in classroom settings about what meditation is, the simplest way that I say it's brushing your brain. So like we teach our kids, like you brush your teeth every day to keep the sugar buggies away and you wash your body every day to keep the germs away. We brush our brain every day by meditating and taking deep breaths to keep yucky thoughts and feelings away. And so I look at it like, what meditation, when you're teaching them, when they're in a playful mood, when they're happy, when there's not a big feeling, they're in a calm, receptive state of mind, and you're going through the book and you're just experimenting with it, and they're just, you know, they're ready to learn and they're absorbing. That is like brushing your teeth. You would never tell a child that you only have to brush your teeth when you eat sweets. But if you don't eat sweets, you don't have to brush your teeth. Said no parent ever, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's just a daily part. And that's what I look at the consistency. Even if you're doing a couple deep breaths or you're doing one exercise, it's not so much the duration of the time. It's just that we have to brush our brain every day because it's building that consistency. And like we know, between the ages of zero and eight, everything that we do consistently, what they're seeing and hearing, is getting planted into their subconscious. So we want to build that daily practice. Even if you feel, wow, they only did three breaths, you celebrate that they did three breaths because it's building that habitual practice, like brushing their teeth. So that's the first purpose of it is that daily exposure. And that's that mental health self care that we teach our children. And then the second aspect is when big feelings arise. And so a lot of parents will tell me like, Oh, I try the deep breathing when there's a big feeling or when there's a meltdown, and it just doesn't work. They just are not receptive to it. And here's the thing, when meltdowns happen, these are your cavities right? So cavities, yes, meltdowns happen more often than cavities. However, here's the thing, a dentist wouldn't tell you, you can just brush the cavity away and it's all going to get better. No, it's gone a little bit further beyond that point. You have to go to a skilled dentist and they have to use their specific set of tools to help you ride through that pain. And that's what we are in the moment that a meltdown is happening. We are the dentist. We have a skilled set of tools that we have to use to help them ride through it. And the first thing is not, let's take deep breaths. It's making them feel safe, right? And any parent who knows that has a child that's melting down, us speaking can trigger them even more, even if it's in a calm way, even if it's like, let's take deep breaths. If they're dysregulated and they're overstimulated and they are checked out, Your first order is connection. It is making them feel safe, whether it's you being silent and you're touching them or you're giving them space and you're letting them know when you're ready, I'm right over there and I'll I'll be there for you. Whatever your technique is in that moment, because it can change from meltdown to meltdown, but it's the safety aspect first. And one thing that I learned, and I actually learned this from my own laboring experience, was that from my second labor, I was having a tough time getting my breath regulated because it was a fast and furious active labor. It went from like zero to a hundred really quickly. And so my midwife 
she was telling me, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. But I was so dysregulated because I couldn't control myself. And what she did was she grabbed my hand and she just started rubbing my back and she was regulating her breath. And my eyes were closed, but I could feel her energy of how she was breathing. I could feel her hand going up. And as um, she was breathing out, her hand was going down. So that was such a big lesson for me because if we regulate our breath, like if our child wants to be held, you're regulating your breath and getting connected with yourself. And that's going to help them energetically connect to their breath of just regulating. And then when they get into what I like to call then they go from red brain to yellow brain. When they start to, they're not completely back to normal, but they can hear you. They're coming back. They're able to talk. You can invite them through these exercises. You can invite them be like, Hey, do you want to do a happy dragon breath? And they may say yes. They may say no, which is okay at that moment and you just allow them to regulate as they need. And then the third step is when they're in a green state of mind or green brain. And that can happen 20 minutes later, or for us, we have our teachable moments at nighttime. So when everybody's at a distance time from that, we have the book and we're like, hey, do you remember when this happened? Because every chapter is divided based on emotions. You can then introduce them that, hey, you know when that feeling happened? What did it feel in your body? What emotion were you feeling? You go to the chapter and then you invite them to learn these different exercises in that chapter. And that's how they learn to make that connection. So then the next time, you're going to also know, like, do you want to do anger mashed potatoes? That's like a big thing for my son. Like when he's upset and angry, I allow him to move the energy out. And we do this thing called anger mashed potatoes, which is in the book. And they're actually stomping their feet when they're angry to dislodge the energy from their body. And you're doing it with them. You make it playful, you make it accessible, but you'll find different exercises. If they're more movement oriented or breath oriented or stillness, you'll see what your child resonates with. And that's what you can invite them to learn. And you start building that connection for them. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I can picture him doing anger mashed potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) It's therapeutic for us too. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I think having those everyday metaphors is very helpful. I actually showed my son a teapot and how when it gets hot enough and the pressure builds enough, how it shoots off steam and how we're like that and how we need to let out the energy. We need to let out the steam and what are good ways to do that and what are bad ways to do that. And I think just seeing that physical metaphor was super helpful to him. And your book is full of those. Of yes. They know what mashed potatoes are. They know what butterflies are and connecting it back to emotions and ways that they can access it. And your book is targeted for children ages four to eight, which I think is perfect. What do you do if a mom's listening and she has a kid that's a little bit older than that and Mm -hmm. she thinks, okay, they're not going to do anger mashed potatoes. Like they're not going to go for that anymore. How can she still introduce meditation and mindfulness and some of these skills to that older child? Yeah. So there's two things that I can suggest. So the first thing is that as you go through the book, you'll notice at the bottom of the page, I have like use this time and when and why it works. The reason why I have that is because that's not just for parents to kind of understand, but it's also these are ancient yogic tools. Like The yoga postures that I have put when there's emotional stress versus mental stress versus physical stress is exactly the same postures, doesn't matter what age you are. I've just exposed it in a fun way, like anger, mashed potatoes. So say if you have an older child and you're reading through this, 
you can introduce it in maybe not the most like kitty way, but it's the same exact tool. And that's a great thing for parents to know too, that this is the tool that I need too. Like if I'm feeling like there's too much intense energy within me, shaking my body, moving my body in a way like you don't have to necessarily stomp, but you can like if you do somatic shaking, that's going to dislodge that energy from my body and to release it. So then I can clear my mind and be able to access the wisdom of my higher self to come through to find the solution to the problem. So it's very interesting. That's the first thing is that It's available for all ages. It's just introducing it in a way that's playful for kids. The second thing is, is that for that next age range, like those tweens to the teens, Malika Chopra, she endorsed my book. She has a set of books for the next age range. Very similar. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a continuation. So it's called Just Feel and Just Breathe. And I love these books because now they're exploring based on what that age range kids go through. Sports issues issues, homework issues, feeling left out with friends, you know, Mm. so she explains it in a way that's relatable for that age group. And so I highly recommend her books as like a continuation. And that's great for us to know too, right? You're introducing your kids from four to eight. Okay, now that they are going to another developmental age, how do we continue this process? She has great sets of resources and books. Okay. That's so great to know. Thank you for sharing that resource. And I did recognize when I was looking through this, I was reading about the bedtime turtle meditation Mm -hmm. and when the sleepy sea turtle, I have it right here. I'm looking at it. When I was reading it, I'm like, oh, this is child's pose, but she's describing it as a sleepy sea turtle because that is an image that a child could relate to. And you do say in here that it's child's pose, but I made that connection before I read that. Mm -hmm. And so like you're saying, if sleepy sea turtle wouldn't work for your teenager, just teach them child's pose. Exactly. But the, but the postures are universal that they're helpful for all ages. Emotions will dissipate with these postures and you can describe them any way you want. Right? Yeah. And I was just yeah. going to quickly note, because a lot of parents did ask this, like, okay, with meditation, why are there yoga poses in there? So one of the mm. things that we have to realize is that yoga and movement always comes before meditation and breath work. So if you're in an actual an adult class, and I learned this in my Kundalini training, is that the science of it is always you move the energy out of your body. So for any parent who's listening, who feels like my mind is way too active whenever I sit down, it's because there's some frantic energy that needs to be dislodged first through movement before Mm. you can sit and find that quietness. And so yoga postures are actually one of the quickest ways because there's different yoga postures that move energy based on what you need. So if you need more energy, you need a boost of energy, there's yoga postures that do that. If you need to rest your mind, there's some postures to do that. If you have too much heat because you're angry or frustrated, there's postures that cool down your body. So it's using the geometry and the science of your body to move it in a specific way to move energy and stress out of your body in a specific way. And it makes meditation much easier. So that's why there's always uh, specific yoga postures in the chapters that link to what you're trying to experience, like the bedtime, right? Child's pose. You're connecting your third eye to the ground. You're creating a grounding experience to slow down your mind. And that's just like creating this experience of just settling down. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I just wanted to make that note of why it's in there. I'm so glad that you pointed that out to think about the movement being necessary before the mindfulness. Is this something that you experienced as a child or you were taught as a child by your parents? 
I am actually a child who suffered from childhood anxiety. And mm-hmm. so I was the child, I, I, why I'm so passionate about sharing this is because this is what I needed as a child. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with anxiety throughout all my life, teenage, 20s. And then I was a divorce attorney. And when I was a divorce attorney, I really hit this block. And that's when I started doing the personal development and just really helping myself through my anxiety and stress through yoga and meditation. I was 26 years old. And it really just, the thought just would not leave my mind of, if I had these tools when I was younger, how could it have helped? And I was going to work every day with divorcing clients who were saying, my children need these tools. And I said, I have to do something because children do need this. And so it's really become, it was just my driving force. So I teach this mainly one to heal my five-year-old self, but also because I know that children out there truly can benefit from this. Yeah. And even thinking about some of the conflicts that led to those divorces that you were helping with, that may have been different if people had learned how to manage emotions differently when they were children. I mean, because we all have that inner child within us. Those adult clients you were helping had that inner child as well that needed these tools. So I am so grateful that we live in a time where it does seem like this is being talked about so much more, giving children these tools that we all would have benefited from so much when we were children. Yes, absolutely. And then what is your third and final takeaway? So my third and final takeaway is for parents to remember that your job when you're introducing meditation to kids is that you are the guide from the side. You are not the sage from the stage. And I share this because a lot of our own fears and insecurities, I get so much from parents. I got to have my own practice. Once I master meditation myself, once I have my own practice, then I can teach my kids. And it it's the time of, that we're living in right now That's not a prerequisite for being able to introduce this to your kids. You don't have to become a certified meditation teacher. You don't have to be a meditation guru to want to introduce this. And really, I want you to look at yourself. When I say guy from the side, you are a partner with your child and be super dead honest with them. Mommy and daddy are learning this alongside you. And it's really beautiful when they can feel that rawness and realness that, okay, when you have a big feeling... There's a lot of times that my almost six-year-old will put me in check. He's like, mommy, I think you need to do anger washing machine. And that's the beauty of it because you have now this conversation, this dialogue of helping each other. And also it goes a little bit deeper because it's not just teaching meditation. You're creating a bond and a connection about openly sharing feelings because everything in this is rooted in connecting what feeling you have and what's the tool that's going to help you feel better and ride you through it. So I've had so many parents say, I've had such a deep connection. Like my children are so much more aware of what they're feeling. When they're feeling angry, there's no shame. I don't feel tensed up and they don't feel tensed up in the sense that we're talking about it. There's something that they can go to that's Mm. a resource. And so that's really what I want parents to take away, that you do not have to be a sage. You do not have to be a guru. You don't have to have it all together. You just start where you're at. And that's really my intention behind the book is that you do this with your child together. You practice together. You learn together. You grow together. And it's okay that we didn't learn it as kids because this is our opportunity to show up with our kids and to plant these seeds with them, but also plant these seeds within us. Oh, so beautiful. So important. And I'm glad we ended on that note of just encouragement for parents. It doesn't matter where you're at, 
or how you've parented in the past, yes. you can start today to learn this with them. Yes. And Thajil, I would love if you would tell us more about where they can learn from you and get more resources to teach children about meditation. Yeah. So the first thing is the book, obviously. So on my website, I actually created this personalized bundle. If you want a personalized copy for your child with affirmation cards and just like fun goodies to help them get excited about meditation. So you can purchase the book there or you can purchase the book anywhere like Amazon, your local Target, Barnes and Nobles. But the the personalized guide is always nice because I put a personalized note for the child. That's fun. Yeah, so that's the first place. Um, the second place is my website, thajalvpatel.com. I have tons of resources for mindful parenting, mindfulness for kids, meditation for kids. My podcast, Time and Talks podcast. So it's for moms talking about mindful parenting, but every month my five-year-old son comes on and we talk about mindful solutions to modern kid problems. So he takes the lead and he talks about things, big feelings and situations and growth mindset and, you know, anything that really like calls to him, but all related to mindfulness in a way that's so fun and engaging for kids. So that's a great way for you guys to listen together with your mm. children. And then uh, lastly, Instagram, I do a lot of like videos and tips and things like that. So my Instagram is Thajal V Patel. All right, perfect. I'll link all of that in the show notes. I hope people will go and dive into your work. And I'm just so grateful for your time and coming on 3 and 30. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Are you feeling inspired? I know I am. Fajal has such actionable ideas for parents who want to make meditation an accessible and routine part of their daily life with their children. One thing that I meant to ask her to do for our recording, but I forgot, was to have her sing her made-up song that teaches young kids the importance of daily meditation. So since I already admitted in that interview that I love to sing, I guess I will give you a sample here <laughs> because you have got to hear this adorable ditty she came up with that you can sing along with your kids. Brush, brush, brush your teeth, brush them every day. Brush them up and down and round to keep the bugs away. Okay, you can do it better than me, that. Brush, brush, brush your brain, brush it every day. Take deep breaths and meditate to keep yucky thoughts away. There's another verse about washing your body every day, but I decided to spare you from my singing that. And also, maybe I shouldn't admit this on a public broadcast, but we certainly don't bathe every day in our home, so my kids might be confused by that portion. But anyway, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that little song. And as a recap of the three takeaways for how to teach your kids how to meditate, those are first, know the difference between active meditation and passive meditation, and focus on active meditation with beginners. This means making movement part of your meditation practice as you build basic meditation skills like breathing. Keep your eyes open, use a guided audio that prompts you on what to focus on, Breathe in essential oils instead of just expecting yourself or your children to be able to sit still and empty your mind. Second, don't try to teach your child meditation in the midst of a meltdown. You should be teaching meditation during the daily routines of everyday life, like brushing your teeth. And during a meltdown, focus first on connecting with your child and lend them some of your calm. If they're okay with being touched while they're upset, you can place your hand on their back as you breathe in deeply in and out yourself with your hand moving up and down with your breath so that they can sync their breathing with yours and deregulate a little bit. When they are out of crisis mode, maybe later that night, you can talk about what led up to the meltdown 
and do a meditation from Thajal's book that addresses that specific emotion so that they're better equipped the next time. With daily mindfulness practice, you will find that massive meltdowns are fewer and farther between because they will build more ability to self-regulate. Third and finally, be the guide from the side, not the sage from the stage. Even if you yourself have never practiced meditation, you can still teach your kids to do this. You can learn with them. Be honest with them that you are new to these techniques as well, and be humble and playful as you develop these new skills together. Friends, this is incredibly important work we are doing in our homes. Do you know that? Just by listening to this podcast, you now have a few new tools to help your children build up their emotional wellness. In Thajal's book, she shares a quote that really struck me, so I wanted to share it here as well. The Dalai Lama said, If every eight-year-old in the world is taught meditation, we will eliminate violence from the world within one generation. Isn't that an amazing thought? Let's start today, my friends, with these small and simple strategies. I know we can do this, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family. I'm Stacey Toth. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. And we'd like to invite you to come listen to our podcast, The Whole View. Each week, we follow the science for an in-depth answer to a listener-requested topic related to health and wellness. But we're not your typical health show. We're talking emotional and physical, looking at dozens of scientific studies to support our answers. You might be surprised what the science can tell us. When we share practical tips and embarrassing personal stories, we make sure no one is left thinking perfection is the goal. In fact, this one time at band camp... Uh uh, not now, Stacy. Oh, right. Sorry. I was about to get on a soapbox again. The whole view is exactly that. A comprehensive and holistic look at important topics that likely resonate with you. We also take a body positive approach. And instead of engaging in diet culture, we focus on what the actual medical research says are the healthiest choices in terms of diet, lifestyle, and non-toxic living. And we're not afraid to bust myths that are trending in health conscious communities. Join us to laugh and learn and just feel like you're hanging out with your two nerdiest besties. Check out the Whole View podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.